Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Art of Being You. Today, we are kind of diving into shark-infested waters a little bit. Um, Look, this is like a mothering moment in my heart where, you know what, as a mom, you kind of tell your kids, listen, you don't want to hear this, but you need to hear it. It's like when your kids become preteens and all of a sudden they need deodorant, you know, and they're going, I don't need this. And you're going, actually, you do. That's what we're talking about today. We're kind of peeling back the curtain on a topic that I don't think I've ever heard anybody say in a spiritual setting. Um, So let's see what happens. Look, I really would love some feedback on this. Once you finish listening, uh, send me an email at rachel at rachelwartman.com. Um, or you can shoot me a message on the socials and uh, let me know what you think because I'm very, very curious to see uh, how this hits you. But I want to talk today about the lies we tell ourselves. And uh, really, we're going to be focusing on self-deception, what it is, why it happens, and what you can do about it. I came into this phrase, the lies we tell ourselves, a couple of years ago through the gracious, kind, confrontation of my big brother, David. Uh, I have a brother, David. We are BFFs uh, for life. Um, we He's two years older than me, and uh, we have been best friends and mortal enemies all of our lives. And, you know, someday I might do an episode about adult sibling relationships and how to cultivate a healthy relationship with your adult siblings, because uh, that was not always the case for us. I'll never forget being a, uh, a junior hire or maybe a freshman in high school driving in my brother's white Ford Bronco. Yes, the OJ style Bronco listening to Queen with the windows rolled down. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you're not as horrible as I thought. And I'll never forget, that was sort of the beginning of a beautiful friendship between us. So my brother has this way of speaking truth into my life that is unbelievably painful, offensive, and also deeply needed in my life. I I know for those of you guys that have siblings that you're close to, you know exactly what I'm talking about. People just don't understand you like a sibling. We often say to each other, just in the uniqueness of how we were raised and our family dynamic growing up, it's like nobody really understands me except him. I mean, my husband does understand me, but he gets me in a different way. And uh, and I just really love him and I'm so thankful for him. But we were standing around my kitchen island one night and I was talking about my life and just kind of processing some things. And, and I don't even remember what I said, but he looked at me with this kind of sly smirk on his face and said, if you want to go with that, I'll go with that. I said, what are you talking about? And he said, well, it just kind of sounds like, you know, the lie you tell yourself, right? And I'm going, what? I'm not lying to myself. I'm processing my life. I'm, I'm thinking through what I believe about this situation. This isn't, this isn't a lie. 
So I pressed him a little bit further. What do you mean the lies we tell ourselves? And he began to just unpack for me this idea. Look, this is the truth, right? We all tell ourselves these these lies that make us feel better, make us sort of absolved of obligation, make us put the blame on someone else, you know, and it's really a self-preserving mechanism. I'll tell you from that point forward, I've never really been the same. How many of us actually are aware that we lie to ourselves. We do this all the time, and so I don't bring this up to shame you. The truth of the matter is that we all do it. We're just not always aware that we're doing it. Lying in the kingdom of God is a big deal, right? When my kids were really little, we always told them that you get in double trouble for lying. Look, we can put up with a lot of stuff. We can put up with a lot of disobedience, but lying is the way that we break and erode trust. So if you lie, you actually get double the discipline. And we would do that. And it actually helped them have the guts to be honest, even when they knew they were going to get in trouble because they knew they would not get in as bad of trouble. You and I both know lying always gets you in more trouble than you think it will. And so I think this is why we don't realize we're doing it to ourselves. Let's just take a look at what self-deception really is. It is a defense mechanism. Do you know this term? This is like a counseling term, defense mechanisms. We all have them. It's ways that we protect our inner person. It's a way that we feel better about ourselves. So here, here's a great one. Let's just talk about like food and, and healthy eating, right? We tell ourselves it doesn't really matter if we have a couple extra Oreos because, um, you know, we've been really good on our diet all week. Even though we actually know that Oreos are the gateway food right? Like, and, or pick whatever food would be yours. It's like, you know that when you eat one Oreo, you can't stop. I think they're like genetically engineered or scientifically engineered to be just the right amount of sugar that makes you want to keep coming back for more, but not so much where you feel full. It's like, we know this, but then we tell ourselves something different because we really actually want to do it. Let's think about it like in the realm of like sexual health boundaries. If you're dating someone, you're not married to them. It's kind of one of those situations where you're like, well, you know, where their hand goes isn't a big deal as long as our clothes are still on. It's self-deception, right? We're just telling ourselves what we want to hear to pacify actually not having to confront that we feel weak in that moment. Now, I'm not saying weakness is bad, and the point is, the truth is, that sometimes we need to deceive ourselves to make it through difficult situations, but the real truth is that if we want to really grow in the Lord, we have to get comfortable with actual honesty. We have to get comfortable with what people see in our lives that we don't see. Here's a secret for you. Here's like a pro tip for you. If somebody asks you, what's your biggest weakness? You know, if you go into a job interview or whatever, and, and I don't know many job interviews that ask that question, but they should. Somebody says to you, what's your biggest weakness? And you start thinking, right? You think about all the things that you don't like about yourself. You think about stuff that maybe you've heard other people say. And then you pick one. You pick the one that you are the most annoyed that you do. You, you pick the part of you that you are the most frustrated with. But here's the pro tip. Your biggest weakness is the one you don't see. Your biggest, most crippling weakness is the one that you refuse to look at because it could be painful, because you would have to take ownership over it. That's your biggest weakness. Well, well how do we deal with this? What do we do? How do we protect ourselves from self-deception? 
Listen, you need honest people in your life. You might not like them, but you need them. In the last couple of years, I've found myself surrounded by very, very honest people. If you know me personally, I can be pretty blunt. I kind of have two modes to myself. My husband and I always joke I'm like the flower and the flame. Some days I'm, I'm really more on the timid side. I'm, I'm more... Um, I'm never introverted, but more quiet, more self-reflecting, that kind of thing. And then I've got a side of me that is like very fierce and doesn't bat an eye when very intense things are being talked about. And in the last couple of years, I've discovered that my inner circle of friends are all people like that. If you're familiar with the Enneagram, uh, which I'm not necessarily a big fan of, but for the purpose of explaining this, it's like I have a lot of Enneagram 8s in my life. And the type of conversations that we have are very intense, very blunt, very um, honest, very, very honest. And I actually love it. And it has made me a better person to have really honest people in my life. It's made me a better person to have someone who loves me enough to actually say, you are deceiving yourself. See, if I don't really love you deeply, I'm not going to say that to you. Why? Because I don't want to partner with you to help you get any better. If we're going to criticize someone and we do it in a loving way, it's because we actually want them to grow beyond that, right? Otherwise, we just cast our judgments and we walk away and it's a different thing. That's why the Bible talks about how important it is to speak the truth in love. Because if I'm loving you, I'm willing to help you grow beyond that point. So how do you protect yourself from self-deception? Well, you need honest people in your life. Now, maybe you don't need to be surrounded by a whole bunch of blunt, honest, brutally, uh, you know, bold people. Maybe that's not the case for you, but you do need somebody who's willing to say, hey, look, in this area, you might be believing, you might be telling yourself a lie. You might be telling yourself that this isn't affecting you, but it really is. You might be telling yourself this isn't affecting your kids, but it, it really is. So you need honest people in your life. You need, the second thing you've got to do is you need to take their feedback seriously. There's a human nature thing that happens in all of us where when somebody confronts us, a lot of us have a tendency to just react right then um, in the opposite thought. For example, somebody might say, well, I don't think that's what God is saying for your life. And then you immediately rush into trying to justify why it is. Whether you do this in your mind or whether it actually comes out of your mouth doesn't really matter. It's like it's a it's a coping mechanism. It's a self-protecting mechanism. Here's what I want you to see. When we are children, we have this little inner child inside of us, right? Because we are a child. So our inner person is a child as well. And the way we're designed by God is to protect that inner child. So we, we go to great lengths to not allow that inner child to hear bad things, to, to internalize bad things. But as we grow up, we have to learn how to let our inner person be an adult. We don't have to protect that inner person in the same way because when we do, we actually wall ourselves off from the feedback that can actually bring us breakthrough. So I'm guilty of this personally. I'm guilty of when somebody says, you know, here's what I think. I think you're wrong about this. I have a tendency to launch into the reasons why I'm not wrong. It's a patterned mechanism. And what I'm in the process of doing for the last few years is dismantling that by stopping, literally interrupting myself and giving time to actually think about what the other person is saying. 
Eventually, my goal is to get to a point where it doesn't start coming out of my mouth before I do that. Um, But I'm a very external processor, so I think that's going to take me some more practice until I'm there. But we need to take the feedback seriously, and we need to not dismiss the criticism that we receive. This is another way this defense mechanism works. We just dismiss it. What do they know? What do they know? Well, they've never been in this position before. Maybe somebody gives you feedback on your parenting style, right? And you're like, well, they don't have a daughter. They don't know what it's like. Well, they have five sons, (laughs) but they don't have a daughter. Do you see what I'm saying? We dismiss it, right? Or at worst, we actually find a way to condemn them to make them an unreliable source for feedback. Why? Because we're trying to protect ourselves. But sometimes that self-preservation is actually keeping you in self-deception. Let me put it to you this way. I I heard a therapist say this once, and I thought this was really intriguing. There are four sides to you that are visible. There's four, four visible sides to you. The first side to you that's visible is the part that you know, everybody else knows, and God knows. This would be like, for me, my hair is brown. I have this many children. Uh, I, I like to eat this type of food. It's obvious to everyone and you are aware of it and the people around you are aware of it. That's side number one. Side number two is the part of you that you know is there and God knows is there. This is like your secret life, right? This is the part of you where um, you know the types of things that that move your heart, the the interests and the you know the longings of your heart, that kind of stuff. You're aware of it. God is aware of it, but other people aren't necessarily aware. The third visible part of you is the part that only God sees. Only God is aware of this. You're not even aware of this. This would be like the very inner workings of your heart, your soul, your body, your motivations. This would be like when somebody starts prophesying a prophetic word to you and they're speaking destiny over you. God is showing that person what he sees in you that you haven't even seen. So there's this third part that only God knows. And the fourth part, and this is the one that's really hard to understand, The fourth visible part to you is the part that God sees and they see, but you don't see. This is both good and bad. The part that God sees and everyone around you sees, but you are blind to it. This is the part of you that in a positive sense is... is, um, has like a grace on your life. A lot of times the grace and the gifting on our life, we don't recognize it because it comes so second nature to us. We don't actually value it like we should because it feels like who we are and it doesn't feel anything special. But everybody else that doesn't have that grace can look and say, this is actually really amazing. My daughter, for example, she's turning 11 tomorrow. And, uh, uh, at the time of recording this, and she um, she has this grace on her life to lead people and to nurture and care for people, and it's just who she is. Because of that, she's very responsible. She doesn't see herself as responsible because she just is. She can't see that other people aren't like that. It's a good thing to have a grace on your life, to have something that you're not always aware of, but other people in God see it. But the downside of this... This, this is where self-deception comes in so much, is that other people and God see your weaknesses when maybe you don't see them. 
other people and God see the places of you that feel a little bit unsafe. If, if you're a leader, for example, they see the, the parts where it feels like they're not sure what you're going to do with the information they're giving you. They're not sure if they can truly be open and honest with you because they're not entirely sure what you're going to do with that. You might not see that about yourself because to you, you feel justified in everything you're doing. That's self-deception, guys. In another sense, we could say, well, well, your kids see it and God sees it, but you don't see some of the destructive stuff that you're doing, some of the wasteful stuff that you're doing, and, and, and that's another area. When I heard these four visible components, this idea, it really challenged me to go all in on inviting people to speak into my life. Not just because we know mentally that it's like the right thing to do, but because I began to see there's a whole world around me that I don't have access to. And I actually believe God designed it this way. God actually designed you to need community in your life. God actually designed you to need people to speak into these parts of your life. And so therefore, he does not allow you to see it at first so that you will be dependent on people. That might be a painful statement for some. And dependence absolutely has healthy components and unhealthy components. But when God created man and he looked at him and he said, it's not good for him to be alone. I think this is part of it. That in and of ourselves, we go to unbelievably arrogant depths when we don't allow other people's criticism to affect us. I'm not saying it should make you feel miserable. I'm saying you should be able to look at it and say, what do I not see about myself right now? Where am I lying to myself saying this is not that big of a deal when in fact it's actually crippling my influence? Where am I lying to myself and saying, you know, everybody has grace for this part of me when actually people are secretly really upset about it? Again, I'm not, I'm not advocating that you become a people pleaser. If you know me at all, you know that's the farthest thing from what I'm saying. Really what I'm doing is I, I, I'm challenging you. We're chumming the water in Shark Week. <laughs> I'm challenging you to be honest with yourself. What are the lies that you're telling yourself right now? My brother and I, we actually joke about this. You know, there's certain things that we're like, yep, that's that's what I'm going with. That's the lie I'm telling myself. And I have no intention of changing this right now. Is that valid? Sure. Unless it's sin or something destructive, right? But it's okay to actually acknowledge this is this is how I feel about this right now or this is the narrative I'm choosing to believe because of this reason. When we acknowledge it, it's not actually self-deception. I don't know, guys. I understand this is really hard. I understand this is really challenging. I'm not saying this is like a key component to life with Jesus. What I'm saying is if you have a hunger inside of you to grow, to have influence, to, to make a difference in this world, you're going to have to make sure that you are not the reason why you don't. That you're blaming other people, blaming the circumstances around you, finding fault with other people so that you can, you know, basically not feel like their criticism is valid. All those things are actually keeping you from the destiny God has for you. 
They're actually keeping you from inviting Jesus into that issue so that he can make it redeemed for you. That's why it's so dangerous. I'm going to be praying for you. And I'm asking the Father to help hold your hand through the unveiling of whatever self-deceptions might be there. And I'm praying the same for myself because we all fall prey to this. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.